the Wrong Side of the Red Line Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. I guess you could call this our uh, first on-location podcast. I have... uh, Well, Ryan's still in the same location he always is. But I have uh, gone and stolen the uh, pregame, postgame, and intermission radio booth for recording this podcast. Um, It's a land grab. Um, We're adding it to our media empire. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Ryan, from uh, Bowling Green, Ohio. As usual, I'm not... I don't get the privilege of fancy places. Yeah, someday, maybe. Unless you count uh, late night roller rinks as a fancy place. Late night roller rinks? Yeah. Like like roller derby rinks or like roller like roller rinks like Like the old uh the old roller rink at uh Bowling Green City Park. Oh, okay. You're talking the outs okay oh, perfect segue. Ryan made a video. I did make a video. I okay. Let me. I'll, let me just explain this whole process to you. I did not make the video because I don't have. It was a damn. A it was a damn impressive video, and I'm yeah. waiting for you to give credit to who actually did the editing and everything yeah. because that was a. I, I was. I was very. I was rather impressed. Yeah. Big, big shout out to my buddy John Clevenger, who works with me, VCT um, major at BG. It kind of. Uh, this whole thing kind of came about the same way that this whole whole podcast came out. Just a random text message last Wednesday night. I asked him, "Hey man, uh, any interest in maybe helping me out with a little video project?" He's like, "Yeah, what's the project?" I'm like, we're gonna shoot cheese and pretend it's a hockey puck. And I fully expect him to laugh in my face and say, "No, get the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life." But he said, "Yeah, let's do it." Um. So we tried to figure out a time to make it work. Uh, this weekend didn't really work at all. Well, it, it ended up working out, but I wanted to shoot during daytime for obvious reasons. That ended up not working out, so he checked out some video shooting gear from BGSU, got some lights, got a couple different camera angles, set it up, and that's the, uh, as they say, the rest is history. We uh, made a Meyer run after we got off work yesterday, got some cheese, we got a biscuit cutter which um fun fact the biscuit cutter we purchased is the exact dimensions of a hockey puck so that worked out really well i'm sure i'm sure the uh that was intentional by company design right well i said to him i'm like i wonder if that's why they call it they put the biscuit in the basket because yeah Mm -hmm. It it was remarkable coincidence because when i uh when i first pulled the the largest one there was like a set of three i pulled the largest one out i'm like this looks pretty close to what I need. And I put it right over the puck that we had and it fit perfectly. So yeah. And as they say, the rest is history. And it was, it was actually really fun to do, but um, I wish we would have had ice to do it on. I don't think the uh, ice rink would have liked us shooting cheese on their ice. So we didn't even try to go that route. It would have been a little easier to shoot, I think on ice, but I think it worked out pretty well, and as you said, he did a great job on the video editing. It only uh, took us a couple hours to do last night, so it wasn't terribly time-consuming or anything like that. So, I think yeah, if you haven't seen it, go give it a look. It's uh, and make sure you watch till the end. I think that's the most important part. There's a little fun blooper at the end. Yeah, and yeah. and also and also Ryan doesn't know what Gouda smells like. 
Well, see, the tough part with that was, um, I mean, you can tell. Well, another thing that I screwed up that I didn't realize until after the fact was it was Colby Jack. It wasn't Cheddar Jack. It was Colby Jack. But aside from that and the cheddar, we could, you couldn't really tell the difference between the Gouda and the Provolone because the Fontina was, it came as a wedge, so it wasn't shaped perfectly like a hockey puck. And I tried to carve a little letter into each one to, so I wouldn't do exactly what I ended up doing, and I couldn't read the letter. It looked like a G, but it was a P, and then I picked up the Gouda, what was actually the Gouda, and I saw the G, and that's when I realized that I screwed up. Well, now let's get to the important, the answer to this, the question that this was posed from the beginning. So we're waiting here. We're roughly three hours before Dallas plays Minnesota. Um, if they, for some reason, run out of pucks tonight and they say, oh, hell, we don't have a puck, and I tell, and then we say, don't worry, you can use cheese, which cheese do they have to go to to uh, finish the game? I would say sharp cheddar. The sharp cheddar had a good flight path. The... Um... A little bit of it came off and got stuck on my stick, but I think that was when I swung over it and topped it and cut a little bit off. But if it was iced like a puck, it probably wouldn't happen. Right, exactly. I mean, they were all, like the cheddar, I was actually surprised with how well each of them flew and how they remained, I mean, how they bounced off, like they rebounded off the net. Like, aside from, I think, the Fontina, all of them kicked off the net like you would expect a puck to kick off. Not, like, exactly like you'd expect a puck to kick off the net, but there was some bounce off the net. I think the Fontina was really the only one that kind of got stuck on it a little bit. So, all of them would work. I think the cheddar, the sharp cheddar, the most of the five that we tried would be the best of the bunch if I had to gun to my head and make a vote one way or the other. Sharp cheddar. I, I, based off watching on video, it looked right, but obviously I'll let you be the, uh, the official judge on that. Now to our uh, kind of our topic of the day tonight. Uh, you, everyone is probably listen, is listening to this after they played game 20, but Stars officially at the quarter of the way through the season. And if uh, depending on how certain results have played out when you're listening to this, they are either in a playoff spot or just outside a playoff spot. And we're th- we got one game before Thanksgiving, and obviously the cliche in hockey is the playoff teams on American Thanksgiving, not Canadian Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, are the teams that make the playoffs. So when you look at this team, Ryan, at roughly 20 games, one-fourth of the way through an 82-game season, who are they in your mind? It's a little alarming to say, but I still don't really know. I mean, I think that um, if you're looking for... I mean, if we're trying to make a determination right now, I think this team is somewhere between the team that they were two years ago and the team that they were last year. Because they're not... I mean, maybe they're honestly even closer to the team that they were two years ago, a team that can be offensively exciting, but its defensive inconsistencies overwhelm that. When you look at this team last year, the defensive shortcomings, while they were bad news and ultimately fatal when you got to the postseason. They weren't so awful in the regular season that it was too much of a detriment, obviously. But that kind of sort of has been the case this year when you're looking at a team that has lost, I mean, if you count overtime as well, has lost five more games than it's won so far in 19 games. So, I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see if trend 
this trend continues if it reverses itself now that they've got pretty much everyone back and we'll see what happens as they, these guys start to gel together in one cohesive unit. Yeah, and we're looking at, and everyone is starting to hear the background sounds of the game ops going through their pregame uh, music is what you're probably hearing in the background now. Um, I look at this team right now, and I see them as a group that is not that there's a lot of things to like, there's a lot of things not to like, and the question marks that are there are ones that you frankly didn't think would be there uh, before the season started. I think we all knew we'd be. I think we all knew 20 games into the season we'd be talking about defense. Everyone kind of expected that. I just think the logic that the Stars went into the season with was that their forward group was their forward group was the group that they trusted and believed on believed in and so they could spend 10 to 15 games figuring out the defense well they haven't figured out the forward group which was supposed to kind of be the strength of this team and obviously injuries put a lot into caused caused a ton of that um, now you take a look at this team and you say 20 games in right now they'd probably be a mid-level playoff team maybe bounced in the first round with who they are at this moment on when we're recording November 21st. Now, if they continue to get, if they get a little bit healthier and the defense starts to play a little bit better, I think there's still potential for this team to be a top two, top three team in the central division. I don't think they can be, win the central division. I, I don't think that's a possibility anymore. I just seen how trends have gone and seen how other things have played out, but I still think they can be a top three team in the central division. At worst, obviously, they miss the playoffs. That's the worst potential result for this. Um, but I, I, my gut says you're looking at a team that is two or th maybe probably third in the Central Division, maybe a wild card team, um, as they continue to gel a little bit after getting healthier and as they kind of figure out who their core on defense is going to be, which we haven't even touched on that yet, which is we're, we're about to see uh, – we're about to see the ninth defenseman play for the Stars tonight. Julius Honka is going to play makes his NHL debut. Um, guy who is playing, and Johnny Oduya just got put on injured reserve for a week. Rough. He'll probably be on injured reserve for a week. Honka comes in, and John Klingberg comes out. Um, Klingberg comes out for the reason we've officially been told is he missed practice this morning, and John Klingberg did not. Sorry, he missed a meeting this morning. Um, and John Klickberg did miss a meeting. He, he admitted that to us. He was really embarrassed. He said he apologized to the team. However, I wonder if he still would have been, if he would have been out anyway, because they called up Julius Honka and Esselindel yesterday, 12 hours before he missed a meeting. Right. That's kind of a remarkable coincidence. Yes. So, well, I believe that John Klingberg definitely missed the meeting. I know that for a fact. I think he may have been... He may have been sitting and watching this game from the press box tonight either way, even if he had showed up for that meeting. Right, which, I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week. Probably, he's probably due to sit. And either however you want to spin it, clear his head a little bit or watch the game from up top and kind of sit back and say, okay, we got to do something a little different here. But I think if we're talking about a defensive rotation that you're trying to get Make sure your best players play. I think we can agree that right now John Klingberg has not been. 
Uh, it's. I think we're seeing right now. The other thing that it can happen with Klingberg getting the scratch is it. It's a chance to watch from above, see the game a little bit more, and it's also a chance to also prove that nobody. Well, if he was he was scratched for not missing a meeting, it would have definitely sent the message that no one is above not playing well. I actually think him. I actually think him being scratched for missing the meeting is almost a cop out, actually, because right. I, I don't think it sends the strength of the message that Ruff could have sent by scratching him for his play. Agreed. That's. Uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, that's that's a. Go ahead. I, I was about to transition to something else. Well, I was too. I was going to say. I think the interesting thing now is going to be to see what happens with. Julius Honka up here, and whether or not this just ends up being a two, three, four game kind of cup of coffee, show me what you can do, or if, let's say, he goes out and plays the way similar to the way Klingberg did when he first came up a couple of years ago, if this turns into a permanent thing, and then when Johnny Oduya comes off IR next week or whenever he ends up coming off IR, what they end up doing in that case. Well, that. That, that is the big question, is it? Because what is the thing I was thinking about when I was driving over to the rink today was what if Esselindel comes to Esselindel and Julius Honka come in and play well enough to say that they have to stay in the lineup tonight? And those are your only two. What if they come in and they start playing over the next couple games and you decide, you know what? When Lindell was playing well with Klingberg, it was the best Klingberg was at. So we want to keep Lindell. We want to keep Lindell with Klingberg. And Honka's playing well and he's ready for the NHL, so we have to find a spot for him. All of a sudden. Our eight defenseman problem that we've that we have uh, obviously not been fans of since the opening night of the season becomes could become potentially a nine defenseman problem. <laughs> well, see, at least in that case, I think the easiest answer to that question is expels Jamie likes the next time in purgatory. Signals the end of the time in purgatory because he's getting waived and he's getting traded. Well, because I, you, you mentioned this to me earlier that. Them calling up Honka, what does that tell you about how they think about Alexiak? Unless they were just trying to call up Honka to um, say Klingberg for a game, so you don't lose that puck pushing, pushing element. But what does that say about Jane Alexiak? They're calling up a guy from the AHL, two guys from the AHL in case of in the event of an injury instead of just putting in Alexiak. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. The other, I mean, I, I think it gets to the point, too, where not even Alexi, if, if that's the case, if, if, if Honka comes in and he's above Alexiak and Jamie Alexiak is really nine on his depth chart, all of a sudden it's not just the stars. I'm pretty sure Jamie Alexiak's agent almost all of a sudden comes and says, hey, you got to wave him or you got to trade him. And you, right. and you start getting pressure from his agent to do something. And obviously, you don't, Jim Nill doesn't have to listen to his agent, but messages can be sent. That's that's the defense. The I want to talk about the uh, I want to talk about the forwards as well. A little bit about a little bit more about the forwards, kind of at the quarter point of this season. But before we do that, we have another guest. Um, for thank last week we had Stephen Meserve from Hundred Three Hockey as our first guest. Uh, this week I'm I sat down with uh, Michael Russo from the Minneapolis Star Tribune, who uh, covers the Minnesota Wild and has covered the. Uh, NHL since the uh, his days covering the Florida Panthers, and uh, we talked a little bit about the kind of the quarter point for the Central Division as a whole. So uh, take a listen to that and enjoy, and we'll be right back. 
<laughs> I am joined by Michael Russo with the Minneapolis Star Tribune. It's uh, for programming note, we're recording this before the Stars in Wild Wild play, so uh, no insight to how that game ended at when you'll be listening to this. Uh, Mike, thanks for coming on. No problem. We should we should do like we should do like two versions: one if they uh, if the Wild win, and one if the Wild lose, and then you can just edit in the. Uh... We know it's more likely though. Yeah. <laughs> What about this wild team? It's the first time we'll, we'll get to see them live in Dallas. Mm -hmm. um, this team, Dallas playing their 20th game tonight. Minnesota, I believe, their 18th, roughly. Um, what is the identity for this Minnesota team? Um, well, in October, their, their identity was that they scored a ton, uh, and that is definitely the wheels have fallen off that. They, uh, they, they were, I mean, you guys know from watching the Wild last year in the playoffs so that they're not, they don't score easily, they don't have a lot of superstars on the team, although the Wild actually in that playoff series probably scored enough goals to normally win a playoff series, and they didn't defend very well, and they didn't get great goaltending from Devin Dubnik, but in October, they led the league in goals scored, and that has absolutely fallen off. They, they just went one and two in a homestand with three goals scored in the entire, they've had a couple one nothing losses lately. And, uh, and in seven of the last eight games, again, going into the Dallas game tonight, they've scored two or fewer goals. So what's really a shame is that Devin Dubnik's been absolutely brilliant. He's statistically the best goalie in the league, and yet he's a loss from falling to 500 because he's getting no run support, so to speak. And, and so I think it's starting to make, if Bruce Boudreau had any hair, his hair fall out. Uh, he's, he's definitely realizes now that he's come to a team that doesn't have Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom anymore. He doesn't have Ryan Getzlaff or Corey Perry. Certainly doesn't have Jamie Benn or Tyler Sagan. So um, they, they have to figure out a way here to, to get their kids to start scoring and, and get Parisi to stay in the lineup. He's missed seven of the last nine games. And uh, they've just... You know, scoring it never comes easy to him, but it's really not lately. Dubnik, in general, we saw he was not at his best in the mm -hmm. playoff series here last year. But obviously, we've seen what he done, what, what he's done since he came over to Minnesota. What if, have you, having watched him, and when he's at his best, what are the things you notice about him? Well, he's quiet in net. He uh, reads plays really well, tracks pucks really well. This year, I mean, he's gotten rid of the, the bad goals. I mean, honestly, like, like last year, if you remember in that playoff series, he gave up a bad goal or two a game. He, he gave up a fluky goal or two a game. The, the one that I remember big time was either game one or two when Roussel scored, like, off his back and in in this building. And, and Roussel kicked it from behind the net. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was just, you know, and that, and, but that's the type of goal that he gave up almost every single night. And, and so other than opening night this year where I thought Yakubov scored a really bad winning goal, um, he has not given up a bad goal. And, um, you know, he's, he's just uh, – and he's so cool. Like, you know, I've never – I've covered this league a long time. This is my 22nd year, and I've never covered a goalie that is as cool to deal with as him. I mean, he will talk to you for – you know, if the PR guys let him hours before a game in the morning, he's so he's got no nervousness about him, and and I think that's a great trade in goalie. I, I think you know one goalie, the other goalie is the contrast of that. Darcy Kemper, the reason why he a lot of times will will uh, you know one goal will turn into two or three is because I think mentally sometimes he can't let the one the first goal get by him, or Devin's not like that, and that's the best trade out of any goalie. What about the uh, Central Division as a total? When as you start when you look around it. As everyone kind of gets near that 20 game point near Thanksgiving, the, the, yeah. that mark. 
Well, um, I mean, I still think the class of the division, Chicago. I mean, they, they got off to a kind of a rough start, and then, then Corey Crawford was absolutely amazing, and now they're completely on fire, and they're not even playing great, great hockey. But, you know, you got Marion Hosa, who's got like 10 goals in his last 12 games. I think a lot of people thought that he was absolutely done. He's been amazing. And, and they're just running away right now, technically, with the division. And, you know, going into tonight's action, 28 points in 19 games. And, and obviously you got St. Louis. The team that's interesting is Winnipeg because they can light you up. They got, as you know, we always talk about dynamic duos in the NHL. You got Ben and Sagan who have been reunited. But, but man, you, you look at the way Liney and Shifley are playing right now. These are going to be two young studs for all, all the teams in the Central Division to contend with for a long, long time. And then, um, and then obviously you got the Dallas Stars. I think this is an aberration, what's going on with them right now. Um, they obviously, you always get concerned with their goaltending. They didn't really address that in the offseason, mostly because they're really tough that, to do that when you have two goalies that are pretty heavily paid on, 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 you know, on contracts. It's tough to just then all of a sudden just get rid of one. But, but, um, but look, they're 3-3-3 three, three, and three in their last nine. You know that's not going to continue. They're going to start scoring. They're going to start... Uh, defending better and and maybe you know we'll see what happens with the wild tonight maybe tonight will be the tonic to their uh, to, to, to their issues because the wild have played a couple teams lately that have defended pretty poor to start the year uh, you know right now I think the the stars are 29th 29th in the NHL and, and last in the in the Western Conference in goals against and but the Wild just played the uh, Philadelphia Blackhawks, Philadelphia Flyers, and the Chicago Flames, and both those teams stunk defensively going into those games against Minnesota, and they came away with two points each. We've talked about the goalie situation on the podcast before. Obviously, there's it's a thing where Stars fans they want to see the yeah. goaltending situation upgraded, but it's not it's not nearly as easy or realistic as people want to think it is as, as making the, that deal. Well, in the cap world, I mean, you have two goalies that obviously have had their struggles that also make some serious bucks, and when you have 15 teams in the league that are up, up against the cap, you can't just get rid of them, and, and buying them out is not always the answer when you're, when you're a cap team because then you have that cap penalty for double the length of the buyout, and so it's, it's, it's tough, and I think once they traded for Niemi, they sort of made their bed there, and, and so now they, they kind of got to let it play out out here and um, you know maybe you could somehow get a Vegas team to take one of them I don't know how realistic that is because you got some pretty good goalies that are potentially going to be available in Ben Bishop or Mark Andre Fleury or Jimmy Howard so it's just uh, one of those things where you know unfortunately both these guys haven't been very good and they're playing on a high octane team that sometimes because they 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 go for the offense it, it leads to real quality chances against and obviously um, you know you're not always going to get Minnesota coming in. <laughs> And we saw, you mentioned, going back to Line A and Shifley before in Winnipeg, Dallas saw full strength of that about a week and a half ago in an 8-2 game that that Winnipeg uh, beat Dallas up in Manitoba. Having seen, you mentioned them being an interesting team to watch. Is there enough with the rest of that group after those two guys? Well, I do think so. I mean, you got you got Brian Little, you got Blake Wheeler, you got obviously Big Buff. I mean, you know, as if they can get saves, continue to get saves from Hollaback and Hutchinson, I think they are a team that can make the playoffs in, in the Central Division. Uh, they they just have a ton of firepower up front. You know, Stafford's been hurt. Uh, you know, once he uh, really gets back into his swing of things, I think that'll be good. Um, you know, Nicholas Ellers is 
just a great young talent flies up the ice. Uh, and so now, you know, the question is, do they have enough on the back end besides Big Buff with Tyler Myers, with Enstrom, with uh, Mark Stewart, people like that? Um, I like the Winnipeg Jets. I, I really do. I, I, I Before the se- season started, I thought that they were a wild card, and they absolutely lucked out by getting... Uh, by winning the lottery and getting Patrick Liney, everybody thought like, oh, they couldn't, you know, wind up with Austin Matthews. And honestly, I mean, Liney might wind up being the best player in this draft. He is, he is, he's Alex Ovechkin almost. He's almost more creative. He just, he, the guy, he can score from 50 feet, but he can also just dangle you right out of your skates. So he's just so freaking good. And and so, uh, man, that was a bad day for all the teams in the Central when Winnipeg won that lottery. He's also got a little bit of that flair and that attitude of a goal scorer, too. He's absolutely, uh, he's absolutely uh, got the... uh, the finish uh, abrasiveness. I mean, uh, you know, I, I cover Miko Koivu. I can tell you about that. And he's got that confidence. Uh, you know, I enjoyed, uh, I can't remember if it was early, the opening, the home opener the Wild had or the uh, preseason games. But I, I sat down with him and Mark Shifley and talked to them, and, and it was just a treat to talk to him. He's got that cockiness. I mean, you know, I interviewed him in the Stanley Cup final in San Jose when they were having the whole media tour there, and he right standing five feet from Austin Matthews said that I think that I'm better than Matthews. I mean, you got to love that. Uh, it's, like to me, that's a great thing. The great players in this game have a have a, you know, I was gonna. Say, can you curse on the podcast? Of course, yeah, of course. They got that shit don't stink attitude, and that's why they've reached the the pinnacle. And this kid is so good, and this is no fluke. Now, I did talk to Lindy Ruff about it this morning because I want to do kind of a, a contrast on on Sagan and Ben and these guys. And what was so impressive about Sagan and Ben in the past is when they played together is that they were able to maintain it for 80-something games. Can these guys, you know, Shifley's leading the league in scoring, Liney and goals, can they continue it? It's easy for 20 games, but everybody now knows you've got to check the sh- you know what out of them. And, and so the question is, can can they keep this up? And, and I really think they're going to have the ability to. Last question, then we'll let you go. With uh, this Dallas team, we, talk, we mentioned the goaltending. We mentioned something. Obviously, there's the consistency and the injuries there. When you look at this group, are you confident they'll still be in that in, in that hunt as yeah, I mean, together? Yeah, I, I do as long as the goaltending doesn't derail everything. I mean, when you are in a locker room and you don't trust your goalies, it can affect everything in your game. And then all of a sudden you kind of lose you just lose confidence in everything if you think that there's a chance that you could be out playing a team and, and all of a sudden three crappy goals go in. And so, uh, But I think there's just too much talent on this team when healthy. Now, they've gotten a raw deal to start the season where it just seemed right from the first day of training camp they were dealing with injury after injury after injury. They're almost at 100-man games, and we're not even in mid, you know we're not even at the end of November. That's, that's crazy. And so, you know, once they get their full slate of guys back, and, and they're getting there. I mean, obviously you don't have Hoodler and you don't have Hemschke right now, but, but once they get their full team together, and it's so early in the season, we have seen this team go on some crazy runs. And so there's no doubt in my mind that Dallas is going to make the playoffs and, and be, a, you know, to be a contender. I, I picked them before last season started to go and win it all, and obviously I was a little wrong like that. I didn't think that they were going to be so bad from the goaltending perspective, but up front and even from your back end, I mean, you know, I, hopefully Aduya is not a big injury here, but, uh, you know, I think Steven Johns is going to be a great player. Klingberg, I think he was going to probably be scratched, even though he is scratched for a disciplinary reason. That could be a wake-up call that he needs. I'm sure that if... 
regardless of him missing that meeting, if Lindy was going to scratch him today, I think Lindy behind the scenes will make that very clear to him. Like, it'll still be a wake-up call if that's the way that they had designed it at the beginning, because obviously we know they called up two players and only needed one. Yeah, Julius Honka comes up, and that's the one, if you're looking at silver linings with this Dallas team, they've learned... They've learned more about their system's depth uh, over the past, over the first 20 games of the season, not just the defense with Julius Anka tonight, where they learned about some guys in the AHL who they never thought might be options up here. Um, once again, Mike, thanks for joining us. Anytime. And uh, as we said before, we don't know who won the game, so uh, <laughs> we're now going to record We'll do this. two versions yeah. of the ending. What an awful game by the Stars. I can't believe they lost to Minnesota. What a great game by the Stars. Thanks again to uh, Michael Russo from the uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune for joining the podcast, and uh, hopefully we can continue this trend of having uh, guests multiple weeks. It's two for two in the past week. We'll see if we can make it three for three in the next week. might be tough with Thanksgiving, but we'll see what we can do. Before uh, we went to the interview there, we had talked about going in and kind of discussing the forwards at the quarter point. We've discussed them a little bit before the break, but... One thing I want to talk about are guys who probably may who aren't playing for Dallas right now, and that's the probably the story of the first quarter of the season is the fact that you had Justin Dowling, Jamel Smith, um, you had them playing NHL games, and I think we'd be and they may never they may not if Dallas plays stays healthy they may not play another NHL game this season in all likelihood if they stay healthy, which is obviously a big a big if. Um, but I think we'd be remiss if we kind of didn't touch on them while before we got too far into the season. Um, Smith obviously established himself actually as a legitimate NHL player, which is something that, frankly, I didn't think was possible before this season started. He proved a lot of people wrong, including myself. And Justin Dowling is a guy who I think he's done a really nice job to set himself up next year when the NHL gets shuffled a little bit more with the expansion draft, where I think he may have an NHL opportunity somewhere next year, whether it's in Dallas or somewhere else because the league is going to be shaken up a little bit and someone's going to take the box, box of puzzle pieces and flip it over and he may be able to fit in somewhere. Yeah, you're putting 23 new jobs out there next year, so it's okay. He's, he def, you're right, he definitely established himself as one of those guys who's on the cusp. So he's one of those guys who's going to be in a pretty put themselves in a good position going forward. Yeah, Justin Gallant. He's in the spot that I think, for at first, as someone who saw him play, um, as someone who covered the AHL for four years and covered Travis Morin for four years, I think this was the opportunity that Travis Morin, Justin Dowling's giving the opportunity that Travis Morin would have needed three years ago. When Travis Morin, an expansion draft, probably would have turned Travis Morin into an NHL player. Now he's obviously, Travis Morin's past that moment in his career, but I think Dowling is getting that opportunity that. If there had, I had always said about Travis Moore in three, four years ago that if there was a 31st NHL team, he'd be in the NHL. And I think you're kind of seeing something like that for Justin Dowling um, that's de- that may develop next summer, and I hope to see it happen. It's, it's a good story to see a guy who could have gone to Europe. He's gone all the way from the ECHL to the NHL, which is quite a rarity. I never did – oh, wait, that was the CHL. I never did figure that out. Never figure out what? How many CHL players have made it to the NHL? Yeah, the CHL was that's that's I'm sure we could ask someone in CHL media relations. If anyone CHL media relations is still listening to this podcast, please uh, please let us know and uh, tweet us the answer to that question. Um, last 
our last thoughts on the quarter point of the season, and then I'm, I want to read some of the Twitter responses from the. Uh, we put out we put out a tweet this morning asking for how people kind of assess the, the season after 20 games. Um, wasn't pretty. Wasn't pretty, and we'll get over those in a minute. Uh, actually, no, let's do those now, and then we'll talk about goalies since we're talking about things that get people uh, get people talking. So you have. See where's we put I put we put out the tweet this morning. Um, I'll let Ryan rate these responses. I'll just read them. So I said, uh, for science and debate, how do you look at the first quarter of the Stars season? Um, we got one response. One response says uh, like a flaming skull and crossbones with a raised middle finger next to an RX sign. Um, we got uh, imagine a dumpster on fire filled with hospital bandages and sadness. Oh. We got, uh, like, about four episodes of M.A.S.H., and thank you to Mark Harrell for telling kids to go ask your parents for the reference. Um, with frustration, and as somehow surviving a brutal streak of injuries, win tonight, we are somehow in a playoff spot, just need to get healthy and figure out which pieces go where to start stringing together some more wins. And we're going to obviously end with the most uh, optimistic response there. And I think that may actually be the fairest response, considering the amount of injuries this team has had, considering how early it is in the season, and considering that in the NHL right now, there aren't there aren't as many good teams as there are average teams in the NHL right now, frankly. For sure. I don't quite subscribe to the doom and gloom thought process yet, but I get where it comes from, especially when you're coming off your first really successful year in almost a decade. You kind of forget what. You get so caught up in the good that you kind of forget what the bad was like. So you get some of the bad right away to start the next year and all of a sudden the world sucks and life is bleak and everything like that. But I think the last response that we that you just read was definitely if I had to pick one was definitely the most on point. Um, how many games have they played this year with their full line? Their full, full. Well, I guess technically Satemski's out. They're never going to this year. But with well, if uh, if you're gonna say if you're gonna, they haven't played any games with what you would consider uh, the uh, the projected lineup for the season. Um, you could uh, even when Hoodler played his two games, uh, that was during the time Sharp was out. Yeah. Uh, Got it. Forgetting he's on. I think I think everyone forgets Yuri Hoodler's on the team. Honestly, it's it's he's been he finally started exercising again, which is good. He hasn't skated since he played. Um, they figure out what he had, like smallpox or anthrax or bubonic plague. It's just a vir- it's just a viral infection. That's the only. They still don't know exactly if they do know exactly what it is. We haven't been told yet. I mean, that makes sense, though. I mean, there's nothing really bad go after a virus like you can bacterial infection. So that makes sense. Well, it's, it's, who was, who was it? Uh, didn't Shane Doan have like Rocky Mountain flu or something like that a couple years ago? I don't, I know what you're talking about. Someone had like desert fever or something. Yeah, I think it was Shane Doan. And there, maybe I'm just thinking that because he plays in Arizona, but I'm pretty sure it was Shane Doan. I know who you're talking about. He ended up missing like three months of season. No, dude, it's on the tip of my tongue. I'm not gonna remember it. No, it was um, I think it was Peter Mueller. Was it? I think so because I, 
I ironically had him on my fantasy team that year, and he was doing really well. And then he ended up missing. I don't. It might not have been Peter, but I know who you're talking about. I can't remember exactly. But he was having a really good year, and then he just missed like three months of the season, right in the middle of the season, because he was sick and no one knew what the hell it was. And I think the diagnosis ended up being like desert or something like that. Oh, I just Shane Doan went through something. Uh, Shane Doan, and I just googled it. Thanks to the internet for the answering questions. Shane Doan had Rocky Mountain spotted fever in 2013, which is which is yeah. I don't know what Rocky Mountain spotted fever is. I don't know what Yuri Hoodler has. I'm not a doctor, but I think all what the what the one assessment of his illness I can tell you is a lot of people have forgotten he actually plays for this hockey team because he's never around. He's never around. He hasn't been able to practicing with them. And honestly, with an in, even once he starts skating again, I would imagine it's probably a couple weeks till he would actually play. Because oh, yeah, for sure. You have to get that strength back up. You have to get conditioning up. You have to get all of those things. Um, honestly, he, he, he's, I don't know if he'd accept it because they'd have to, he'd have to accept the assignment, but he's a guy coming back from something like that in the long term would probably be, it would probably be smart to accept an AHL conditioning stint once he, come, once he came back. Now, obviously, it would be up to the player to accept that, but I think that would be something that I personally would look into once he did return. Oh, for sure. Get your life back under you. Well, I want to end this. Uh, I want to end this podcast on a positive note because there is some doom and gloom, obviously, around this team. Even though it is a team that, if the playoffs started today, they'd probably be in the playoffs, and they're in a good spot. Thanksgiving's on Thursday. And and it's a time where you should be thankful. And what are the things, if you're looking at this team, Ryan, and you're looking at the group that they have and what's gone right and wrong this season, what are the positives that you take, the things that the Stars are thankful for right now? No doom and gloom during this segment. I think the one thing that they would probably be the most thankful for in terms of small picture just this season is that these struggles have been somewhat justified. Not that you ever want to see a team that just won the Western Conference regular season, whatever you want to call it, come in and start the next season 7-7-5. That's never a good thing. But when you're looking at how that all went down, missing five, six forwards at a time. It's a somewhat justified offense. And now they have everyone back, and we'll see what happens from here. Obviously, the margin for error is a lot smaller than it would be at the start of the season. But I think they're in a good place going forward, assuming that everyone can get gelled together and get on a similar level to last year. I think the other thing you're thankful for, too, is that you look at they're seven, seven, and five. Now, I'm not. This would be asking for a lot for a team that has not been good at three on three overtime. But those are five games that say they win those games. Say say they win those games and a bounce goes the other way, or they they finish those games off. You're looking at a team that is one goal has been one goal away, one break away five times from potentially starting the season at twelve and five. Sorry, twelve and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's and if, if you're talking if you're starting this team season at 12 and seven, you're five games over 500. You're you're looking at it as it's in a good spot. And I think in the spirit of Thanksgiving, you look at being thankful for that, where the team is is kind of clawing its way through a long list of ailments you never expected. Some of them have been self-inflicted. Um, you look, some of them have been self-inflicted by the fact that the Stars decided to carry a defenseman this year. I believe that's a self-inflicted wound, and I'm going to continue to needle at that wound every chance I get. Um, but that's self-inflicted. The other, the other thing is that they're going to, uh, they have the two goalies they have. Those are the goalies they're going to finish the season with, in my mind. I mean, everyone, I know people keep pushing for and asking about trading for an elite goalie and why that is a simple solution if you're playing NHL 16 or what? Is, sorry, NHL 17 on your Xbox at home. It's not a simple solution for this team because I don't. Those goalies aren't tradable assets. Honestly, no one's going to trade for them. No one's going to take their contract. Uh, and so that's a self-inflicted wound by the goalies they are they're going to live and die with the goalies they have for better or for worse and we're going to find out as the course of the season goes whether that's for better or worse some nights can be good we saw Kari Lentinen play great the other night other nights can be bad uh, the other the other positive I think you saw is you found a little bit more about what you had in the system at forward you found out you had some options who in Jamel Smith and Justin Dowling who could play games when needed um and I think there's also there's some we also saw some other some other younger guys who for better or worse were learning who they are. Um, for example, a Brett Ritchie. I think I think we've learned a lot more about who Brett Ritchie is, is as a player has been given a bigger role. And I don't think people are gonna like this answer as much. I think he is a he's a streaky player who has a really good shot, but isn't consistent enough. That's honestly kind of what he's turned into. Yeah, I don't disagree. There's the other the other thing that you can look at too for this team, which I think is kind of been over. I mentioned it earlier, but the NHL is not a very good league right now as far as elite teams. There's a couple teams that are doing really well, but you're in a spot where the league as a whole is everyone's dealing with injuries. Everyone got screwed by the World Cup. Let's just be. Let's just put it the way it is. The World Cup was. NHL teams will look at the World Cup this year and not remember it as a positive. Everyone got screwed by the World Cup. The schedule is horrendous, um, and so because of that, I think, I think that old cliche that the standings on Thanksgiving are the standings on April first. I think that won't hold as true this year. Because I think how big, how crazy the stretch is, is going to really define that. The other thing it's also going to make, the other thing that it's going to force and create, I think the schedule is going to create, is it's going to force, and this is going to scare Stars fans, it's going to force the goalies to make a bigger difference. Um, with, with, a, with, with a tighter schedule, a, the tighter schedule with less games, and le- with more games and less days, you get to a point where you're going to need your goalies to win games sometimes. And that's going to be a huge question for the Stars going forward. So you didn't want to end with doom and gloom? That wasn't doom and gloom. I just said that's... <laughs> wasn't doom and gloom. That was, uh, that, that was, that was intuitive thinking and, uh, and, and assessing how, uh, 
Yeah, it was a bit of doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're right, though. It's definitely going to put a lot more pressure on backup goaltenders with a lot more back-to-back sweeping four nights. Teams are going to have to adjust, and part of that adjustment is going to be getting your starter maybe a little bit more rest than you would in past years. So that can have an impact on teams. If you look at a team like Montreal, where Perry Price is basically the second coming of Jesus. So anyone like stacking up next to is going to bad comparison type. Maybe yeah. that affects like that. But for a team like Dallas, this is kind of what they were going for. To co-number one goalies, this is theoretically what they should be able to excel. So we're all kind of losing. Kari Latin and Nancy got his court on that one. But um, kind of going off what you just said, I think this is going, this uh, impacted schedule as we uh, start moving forward in the season is going to put a stronger bonus on finishing well as opposed to starting well. As everyone starts to kind of get healthy, they're still trying to shake that world cup, bad juke lock. Um, it'll be... Uh, That'd be a, a nice way to, uh, I mean, get interesting uh, statistical studies. Yeah, I, I, I think it's... How that impacts the uh, standing of Thanksgiving yeah, definitely. That's definitely something we need to remember to circle back to later this year to take a look. Maybe after maybe after 40 games, we take a look at how sim. Maybe we should screen cap the standings on Thursday and take a look after 40 games, just to as an as an explanation to see, just kind of as a sample size, and maybe do it after each quarter of the season. Um, last thing, then before we let everyone go and enjoy their Thanksgiving, since I know families are huddled around the Thanksgiving table listening to this podcast right now, because that's how everyone spends their Thanksgiving. Um, favorite Thanksgiving does it favorite Thanksgiving dish Ryan go mashed potatoes mashed potatoes not even, not even second guessing that mashed potatoes 100 times out of okay so I need to ask you a question now because I saw a study on this about California because you're from California originally do you have is is technically Las Vegas okay you're, you're from you're from the you're from the western you're from the west coast. Salad a main a main Thanksgiving dish. No. Okay, because I saw a thing a study that said on the west coast salad is a main is a main part of Thanksgiving. I know salad is a is part of Thanksgiving everywhere, but a main part of it. Not at least in my household, no. Well, that's good. I'd have to uh, I'd have to rack my brain and see if I can think, but I. To the best of my knowledge, I don't think we've ever had salad on Thanksgiving. Well, I don't think. Personally, I you took the good answer for mashed potatoes, so I can't really top it. Um, <laughs> mashed potatoes are great. Um, everyone have a th- have a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks again to Michael Russo from the Star Tribune for uh, joining joining our podcast. Not that we could get him any more followers by him being on here. If anything, oh, it may have hurt his following. Um, thanks again for having, thanks again for him, to him for joining us and, uh, we'll be back next week. And if you haven't watched the cheese puck video, go watch the cheese puck. Yes. Watch the cheese puck video. We'll post it with the, uh, we'll post it with, we'll post the video with the link to this podcast, uh, on the uh, wrong side of the red line site midweek.